They say, they came to Balaam and said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely. And do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and all the gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. What if we lived in a place where no money could buy us out of God's will? Come on, what, what, what if we were so secure in the unchanging hand of our father, Baltimore County, that not one dollar bill sign, not amount of influence can cause us to step outside of God's will for our life? Balak said, he said, now spend the night here so that I could find out what else the Lord will tell me. The night God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Let me catch you up in the story. There was a prophet by the name of Balaam. Balaam was known around town as a person that had the mouthpiece of God. He was able to speak on God's behalf. Israel had stepped into the promised land. Everybody overlooked them, some small, insignificant country. They can't do much, and then Jericho falls. Jericho was the most powerful nation in that land, and when they fell, people were like, oh, no, we got some problems. Then Ai falls. Balak, king of Moab, he realized, I'm in trouble. There's some favor on these people's life. If only we understood that the favor of God on our lives gives us the majority, even if we are the minority. It doesn't matter if your company is small and you're bidding up against a corporation. If you have the favor of God on your life, if God is fighting on your behalf, if God is going for you, it doesn't really matter who's against you. So Balak said, I need some help. He went in front of a prophet and said, can you curse these people? He said, I will pay you whatever you, he handed him a blank check. That's just, just a question. I know you're spiritual. You love God. You never forsake God. I just have a question for you. If somebody came to you and asked you something and the statement started with, I will pay you whatever you ask, how are you going to act? Now, I'm a pastor, so I'm going to say, Thank you, Jesus. Look what the Lord has provided. I mean, I'm not going to do anything illegal, but it's like, come on. I'm listening. Come, don't lie to me. You're like, I'm listening. He said, I'll give you whatever you need. I just need you to curse these people. Bam said, I can't do that. Those are God's people. God told me not to go. He came back and he doubled his offer. Balaam went back. We're going to have so much fun today because the Bible is so confusing. He came back to God. The first time God said, don't go. The second time God says, okay, you can go. But only say what I tell you to say. Wait, did God just change his mind? Because I thought we served a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, Columbia. Did God change his mind? So Balaam jumps on his donkey. He starts right. I think Balaam had his donkey packed for weeks. Just in case I got the go ahead. And he starts heading towards the nation to curse Israel. But as he's going, God sent an angel to kill Balaam. What do you do when God tells you to go and then he tries to kill you? You go to growth track and you figure that out because that's a problem. All right. Verse 27, it says this. When the donkey that he was riding saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam and he was angry and he beat that donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and the donkey said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? You know you are outside of the will of God. When a 
donkey is talking to you. Somebody like, that ain't new. I work with donkeys every day of the week, man. They talk to me all the time. Well, let me put it this way. You know you're outside of the will of God, not when a donkey's talking to you, but when you are talking back. What makes you crazier, the fact that you can hear a donkey or the fact that you are a Dr. Doolittle all up in here? Balaam said to the donkey, <laughs> he said, you have made, you made me, oh, if I could preach this. I'm losing my cool because you made me look bad. And I'm more concerned about how I look than being in the will of God. It doesn't matter if I'm God, in God's will as long as I... Oh. See, you made me look like a fool. If only I had a sword in my hand. He's all homicidal. I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey which you have already ridden all to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? Balaam said, they're in the full conversation. Then the angel of the Lord, they opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low, and he fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey? God looks out for the donkeys. He said, I have come here to oppose you because your path is reckless. I'm confused. How is it reckless, God? You told me to go. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now. But I would have spared the donkey. you got to love God's word. He said, if it wasn't for that donkey, I would have killed you, but I would have let the donkey live. You know God is ticked off when he's letting donkeys live. But he's like, I'm about to take you. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, we're grateful that you have given us Jesus to build our lives upon we're grateful for your grace, for your mercy, God, for your hand of favor that's on our life. In this moment, we know that you're speaking. God, give us ears to hear. God, as you speak, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, Baltimore County. Somebody say amen. amen. We're in week two. Somebody say week two. We're in week two of this series called Doorways and Decisions, and this series really came from something that God impressed on my life, and if you're new uh, to Union Church, you're going to find there is not many times that I say, thus saith the Lord. I take prophecy very seriously. Not everything is thus saith the Lord. Sometimes it's thus saith the pizza that I ate last night that I shouldn't have ate, and that movie that I watched and I stayed in, but sometimes God is speaking. And when God speaks, it's because he's looking to prepare us for something that he wants to do in our lives. And hear me, Columbia, God impressed on my heart that he is getting ready to open supernatural doors in your life. If you call Union Church home, if this is a place that God has called you to plant your family, God is getting ready to open doors in your life. And not just a churchy preacher, oh, there's a breakthrough on your way. No, I'm for real, for real. God is getting ready to mend broken relationships. God is getting ready to open people's hearts to you that were once locked off. God is getting ready to do things in your life that you didn't even know to pray for. They're screaming amen in Columbia. This is a spiritual room right here. Yes, pastor, yes, yes. Here's the problem. Just because a door opens doesn't mean you're going to be able to find it or maximize it. 
And as God laid on my heart, I'm getting ready to open doors. He, he, he charged me, Stephen, it is your job to get the church ready for what I am getting ready to do in their life. The first step of getting ready is to respond by faith and not skepticism. Skepticism is to say, oh, whatever, that's just what the preacher says. You're supposed to encourage me and all that other kind of stuff. So go ahead, encourage me, but that's not my story. I ain't seen an open door since Jimmy Carter was president, and I'm not expecting one right now. Well, let me tell you how, how prophecy works. It's not guaranteed. It's God's desire. And how you respond dictates if you see it come to pass in your life. The biblical response is the response of Mary. She said, let it be unto me according to God's word over my life. Can I help you out here? You have nothing to lose by activating your faith. Like some of us were in this skeptical position of, I'm not really going to buy into that. Well, what happens if you do and I'm wrong? Your life looks the same as it looks right now. You lost nothing. Oh, but what if you don't activate your faith and, I'm, and faith and I'm right? You miss that opportunity that God has for you. So over these weeks, we're saying, God, get us ready. Teach us how to walk through the door that you have for us. Today's message is called this, don't just walk through any door. Yes, God's getting ready to open a door for you, but you got to understand, not all doors are the same. And you don't just want to walk through any door. Columbia, me and my wife, we were in Israel in 2017. It was an amazing experience. We were there for 10 days. It was the best five days of my life. At about day six, I said, get me out of here. You got to understand, I'm not a hummus guy. I don't know what to do with hummus. I, 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 I'm a Chick-fil-A guy. And they, they, they had no Chick-fil-A in Tel Aviv. And I was just like, I need some Chick-fil-A. Can I get a cheeseburger? I mean, something. We had this overambitious tour guide. She wanted to show us the entire Bible in 10 days. I'm like, look, lady, it took them 3,000 years to live that thing out. There is no way we are going to see every event in Scripture. In like, okay, this is where Jesus was baptized. That's where he wept. Okay, this is where he raised. I'm like, wait. We got there a day early before our, our, our tour started. We landed in Tel Aviv, which is a beautiful city. We were right there on the water, on the beach, and my wife loves walking on the beach. So we, we came out of our hotel one evening, we were just like, hey, let's go walking on the beach. And there was like this cement path and then beach on the other side. There was like this tall fence that was like covering the beach, but they had these doorways for you to walk through the fence. So, so we kind of go down and see this doorway. So my wife goes through and I go through. And next thing you know, it is, I mean, just a beautiful ocean. My wife, she just likes water. She's already rolled up her pants legs. She's all out in the water, wading around. I'm up, I mean, I don't do beaches. I'm just like, okay, let me know you're done. I'm right here. <laughs> you ever been in a situation where you just felt people staring at you? You, 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 you can feel their eyes on you. And I'm just, I just feel people staring at me. And I'm just like, what is this? I know I'm in a different country, but it's an international place. People from all over. And I'm just like, that. Just look at this, this lady over here is just staring at me. This lady over here is staring at me. And this lady here is staring at me. And this lady here and this lady here. And next thing I know, it was only ladies that were staring at me. I look around and I realize I'm on the women's beach. 
Y'all got to understand, I've never been to a country where they have a men's beach and a women's beach. I walked through an open doorway, but it, just because the doorway is open doesn't mean it's the one that was meant for you to walk through. By the way, I kept my holiness. I ain't seen nothing. They all had skirts down to their ankles and turtlenecks as they were swimming. So if, holy up in this country. <laughs> but we got to know. I'm going to get in trouble for that one. We got to know what door to walk through. Not just walking up to any door saying, if it's open, it must be God. Balaam had an open door. Hear me. He had a door to guaranteed wealth. He had a door to guaranteed influence. The king of the nation said, you can have whatever you want. But yet it wasn't a God door. Hear me. Discernment is not needed when there's no open doors. You, you, you don't need discernment when you got no options. I'm just wondering which contract I should take. Well, you ain't got none. So, uh, so you don't got to worry about which one to take because there's none coming. The problem comes when you do have one. You're like, is this God or, or is there another one coming? I'll give you just three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts. Write this down. Columbia, if you could take notes from me, I'd really appreciate that. First thought is this. We have to expect doors to open. We've got to expect doors to open. Here's what happens sometimes when a door opens. You, you got to understand, the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, no man can conceive what God has in store. It says that God does exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. So sometimes when God opens a door for us, we didn't see it coming. We, we didn't expect the door to open. We didn't know that that opportunity was going to come. And because we didn't know that opportunity was come, when the door opened, we get flustered. Oh, my goodness, you would not. <laughs> it's an it's a, it's a open door. And, and we're ready to run through because we didn't expect it. I, I, I'm praying for a custodian's anointing on you. Y- y'all remember your custodian back at school? Whether it was college or middle school, elementary school, whatever, your custodian, he's walking through those hallways. And let me tell you, that brother, that sister, they walk through those hallways like they own the place. I mean, it was just. And you would wonder, why why is he walking so confidently? His confidence was based on the key ring that he had on his pocket. Some of y'all still got the custodian anointing because you hook your keys right here, your, your little ear pods and all the stuff, your pants falling down, you got so much it's on your pants. He, you just, he, he, he had confidence because he knew, or she knew, any door that's locked in this hallway, one of these keys is going to open it. One of the reasons why we are so shocked when doors open in our life because we don't realize that we actually have a key that unlocks situations in our life. The Bible says this, a person's gift, a person's gift opens doors for him. It leads him into the presence of great people. God has given you a gift, Baltimore County, and hear me, your gift unlocks doors. Some of you are gifted in connecting with people. Some of you are gifted in encouraging. Do you know some people are gifted encouragers? And some people, gift uh, encouragement is not your gifting. The prophet in the Bible's name was Barnabas. They called him the son of encouragement. Because when, when, when you got around Barnabas, you just, you just felt like you could take on the world. 
Some of y'all, you're giving that encouragement. I get around you, and I would question my own self. Like, man, God's going to do this. And you're like, you sure? I mean, again, this is not guaranteed, but sometimes when you have the gift of wisdom, encouragement is a struggle for you. Because everything you look at, you see the problems, you see the different hazards, you see the different barriers. And you don't mean to be a negative person. You don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. You just have the gift of wisdom. So, hey, oh, this is going to be great. My business is going to blow up. Well, actually, if you actually track the trend, the economy is going to... I need to go find me an encourager right now because I don't need strategy. I just need... You have a gift, and your gift unlocks doors. Y'all know how I preach. I like to say stuff that sounds like heresy and then clean it up at the end. Can I say one of those things right now? Baltimore said I could, so here I go. There's some doors that prayer will not open. Don't get me wrong. Prayer is vital because if you don't have a prayer life, once the door opens, you ain't going to know what to do with it. You need prayer. But there's some doors that are locked in our lives, and we are, oh, God. Oh, God. God. And you're like, I'm not opening that door for you. Because I've already given you the key to unlock it, your. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Some of us are praying, God, won't you send Mr. Right? God, won't you send Mrs. Right? And God is saying, if you would stop pretending to be someone you're not and use the gift that I've given you, you're going to find that your gift unlocks. And here's the problem. We spend so much of our time. Okay, I'm not going to talk about y'all. I've been shady already. Let me talk about Stephen. Y'all be all right. I spend so much of my time coveting somebody else's gift. Oh, if I could only be humorous like this person. Oh, if I could be analytical like this. Oh, if I would. And here's the thing. If you needed that gift to unlock your door, God would have given you that gift. The simple fact that he didn't give you that gift means that's not the gift that you need to unlock your destiny. So instead of being jealous of other people's gifts, find out what the key that God has given you to unlock. If you're a numbers person, that gift is going to unlock doors in your life. If you're an encourager, if you're a person that attracts whatever your gift is, it unlocks things. And guess what I've discovered? The more I develop my gift, the bigger doors it opens. The more I invest in my gift, the bigger doors it opens. So in the beginning, my little key only opens little doors. But as I develop, as I grow, as I study, my key grows and doors open. The fact that I need a key to open a door means that doors that God has for me are locked. Just because God has for me, it doesn't mean it's all going to be open. Some of you are like, I know my gifting, but it's not opening anything. Here's the thing. A key fixes a problem. A key fixes a lock problem. And sometimes your problem hasn't grown up enough to receive your key yet. You're wondering, why am I not getting into that room, into that circle, into that opportunity? They don't got enough problems yet. <laughs> Hear me. When you are the key, the solution to their problem the door going to come flying open. 
Because God, God created you knowing that they're going to need you because you are the solution to get them to where they need to go. So I finally discovered my gift. My, my, my gift is wisdom. I have the gift of prophecy. When I, when, when I start to speak over things, doors, doors open. Doors open. And, and it's a little shocking when, when, when your gift opens the first door. Because you're like, whoa, where'd this come from? All right, this is good. This is good. I can do something with this. You got to understand, your pastor, I'm a little shady. You ever been at a hotel, and they give you your key? They put in a little envelope, and they say, your room is room, you know, 9128 or 915. And you, you, you got your key, and your key unlocks your room. Every time I get in an elevator, I swim the, swipe the penthouse. I, I'm, not, I'm not in the penthouse. I ain't pay for the penthouse. I just want to know, though, what's up there? I mean, I'm not going to stay. I just want to go see. I'll come right back down. But, but sometimes I just, I just swipe my key just to see if it unlocks a door that's not for me. And every so often, you'll swipe your key. You'll hit like the 21st floor, and that thing will turn green, and it'll go right past floor nine. Whoa. What do you do when your key doesn't just open one door, but it opens? Because there's this, this, this discovery process. First, we discover that I have a gift, and my gift opens doors, and it opens a door, and I get excited. But, but then it begins to open multiple doors, and I find myself in a situation where I, I, can't, I can't walk through both doors at the same time. Some of y'all got doors opening. You're not used to doors opening, so you don't want to close any of them. So you're running one door just for a second. How you doing? Give me one second. And then you run through the other door, and you hold on, I'll be right back with you. And you find yourself trying to play two doors. Somebody say, pick. Come on, Columbia. If you're going to maximize it, you, you, you got to pick. It's like one of them game shows. There's $5 million behind one door. There's $5 behind the other door. You got 30 seconds to pick, and we're going to play some really noisy music. Go ahead, pick. My key opens multiple doors. Here's one of the things we don't realize. We don't read the Bible. We write the Bible. We don't even mean to, but as we're reading the Bible, we write it. Here's one thing I say. It sounds like heresy. It's not. Calm down. So we're like, oh, what are you doing? Let me give you an example. You, you, you wrote the verse that I just read. Pull that verse up. It says this. A man's gifts opens doors. Not singular. They'll bring it up in a second. Not singular. Plural. It has an S on the end of it. It says it opens doors and brings you before great men. Here's how we wrote the Bible. We thought it said a man's gifts opens door. We thought our gift only opens one door and it opens the door that God has for us. That's not what the Bible says. It says your gift will open multiple doors, plural, not just one. And it's going to bring you before great men. If only we can understand that my gift, it's going to open God doors. It's going to open financial doors. It's going to open favor doors. It's going to open dead doors. It's going to open setback doors. It's going to open painful doors. It's going to open doors that the enemy wants me to walk through. It's going to open doors that's going to waste my time. My gift is going to open doors. If I'm not aware of that, I find myself in a position where I have multiple doors open. Balak is knocking on my door, offering me all the money in the world, and God's saying that's not it, but I'm like, oh, I want to go through. 
Second thought is this, write this down. Oh, if I could grab your face and beg you on this one. Take time to seek direction from God. Thank God for the open doors. Come on, go crazy, go nuts, glorify him. God, I'm grateful that you've gifted me and you, you open door and you've given me opportunities. And this is above and beyond anything that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. But when you're finished thanking him, don't just run through. Pause and listen. I say, God, is this the door that you would have for me? The one thing I think Balaam did right is before he ran through that door, he said, let me seek God. And it says he went that night. <laughs> I could, could you imagine what that prayer was like? It, it probably sounded like, God, please let me go. You know, you know you're not praying to God. You're negotiating with him. If your prayer sounds something like this, God, if you, then I will. Come on now, that's not a prayer. That's a business transaction. That's a contract with addendums on addendums on addendums. God, if you would just do, if you would just, like God, please. I told him no. Baylor came back with double the money. He went back to God. He said, God, please take the time to seek God first. Here's the Bible says, Isaiah 55, 6. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Now, sometimes I say that scripture is confusing. It's not confusing. It's clarity, but you need the Holy Spirit. You need revelation to, to let you know what God's word is saying. At face value, Columbia, this verse could look, it could look confusing because the Bible says, seek the Lord while he can be found. Well, where he's going, where's he going? He said, calling him while he's near. Wait, he's not always near? Come on out. The Bible says that God is Emmanuel, God with us. He promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What is it with this verse that says I can only find God in a certain window? Here's what the Holy Spirit revealed to me. God will never leave you, but the Bible never said that you would never leave him. When it says seek the Lord while he may be found, here's just Stephen's interpretation. I think when a door opens, when an opportunity opens, when there's a problem in front of you, you have a small window to seek God before your emotions take over, before your ambition takes over, before your preconceived idea of how it should turn out. And watch this, when money gets involved, it's hard to hear God. When ambition gets in God, it's hard to hear God. When, when status and influence and promotion, and I hear, hear what God was saying. He said, seek me before you're emotionally invested. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble, Pastor Brian. <laughs> People go, Pastor, Pastor, we're ready to get married. This is who God has for me. Question for you. Did you ask him before you looked into those brown eyes? Come on now. Did you seek the Lord before she cooked for you? Before that Netflix and chill that was not God in the first place? Sometimes by the time we go to God, we've already made up in our minds how we want it to go. I want that job. I want that house. I want this opportunity. I, I want this. And without even realizing it, we're unable to hear God, not because he's not speaking, 
but because our ambition is drowning out his voice. How do I seek God? By the way, seeking God is not just praying and, and sitting. It starts with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek God to see if this is will. How do I do that? First, study his word. God will never open a door of opportunity to you that contradicts his word. God will never send you in a direction that contradicts something that he had already told you. I remember when I first graduated college, I was applying to jobs. and I don't know how you were when you got out of college, but for me, anybody that would take me was good. <laughs> I said, I need, I need a job. I got these student loans I got to pay off. Anybody, I'm, I'm here. No matter what my degree is, if you need me, I'm there. I actually got a dream job. I got offered a job from one of the largest gasoline companies in the entire nation. Not only was it one of the largest companies, it was the largest offer I got by double. The second job I got offered was half the amount. And y'all, they offered me a signing bonus. I thought only athletes got signing bonuses. I don't know. I didn't know that people got 2.9 G, I mean, whatever my GPA was, that they offered those type of people with... <laughs> Y'all judgmental, be quiet. College Park, fear the turtle. Anyway, <laughs> I had a company car. I mean, it was, it was beyond what I could have prayed for. The only problem is it would have required me to move to Louisiana. Three years prior, I'd received a word from God, stay in Maryland. There's something that I've called you to do. Ugh. But this is God. It's money. You know how you could get Bible to convince God? God, you said the wealth of the wicked. Stored up for the right. You said you're going to give me more than enough so I can. You just throw in Bible back at God as if he didn't write it. And the more I wanted to run through this door, the more I realized it contradicted something God told me before. Went to my dad. He said, you know what to do. So I turned the job down. You know what happened, y'all? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. He didn't bring another job with a better salary. He didn't even match that salary. The car was gone. The bonus was gone. I went and took a job for half the price that I worked there for six months, and I was miserable. <laughs> and it didn't line up with the word, you know, if you give anything out for the Lord, he's going to give it back to you a hundredfold. I got nothing. <laughs> and I'm looking around like, God, this ain't what you promised me. Y'all, it was in 2008. Remember 2008? Housing bubble that burst. Economy goes. Petroleum goes. Next thing you know, all the big gas companies were laying off 30,000 employees at a time. You know, whenever a company like that lays off people, they're always going to get rid of the people who got there first, not first, but last. You have no tenure. You're new. Bye. If I had not followed the will of God for my life, I would have found myself in Louisiana, Louisiana, y'all. <laughs> have a little crummit side and bonus, I would have spent it by now. Unemployed. Don't get so excited when a door opens. Take the time to seek God. Is this you? Seek his will. <laughs> Step number two, seek his, do you have a peace about it? James chapter 1 verse 5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, just ask. Oh, if I could preach a little bit. Some of us don't want to ask God because we've asked humans and they've made us feel ignorant. You should know this by now. Why are you asking me? 
Figure it out. No, no. God says, no, no. If you have a problem, just ask me. And he said, without reproach. Here's what God meant by that, without the drama. <laughs> you know, you got to honor your dad, celebrate your dad. Sometimes you got to trash your dad. Sometimes I'd be like, dad, I need some new shoes. You're right, you dad, for new shoes. You're not getting new shoes. And what happened to the last shoes you had? We're bringing the shoes here. There's a full interrogation and inspection. I got to see. Put your foot in the shoe. Your toes still fit in there. There's no holes in the bottom. Dad, these aren't cool. These aren't cool. You know, I, when I was a kid, I used to walk to school uphill both ways with no shoes. Your heavenly father will give you none of that. He said, no reproach. And he said, it'll be given to you. But watch this. He said, when you ask, you better ask with faith. He said, don't come to me doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or woman think that they will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Here's the revelation. Any area of your life that you are double-minded on, don't go that way because God's not in it. What does it mean to be double-minded? It means I, I went to church, I prayed about it, I even wrote on a little connection card that's only for visitors, but I wrote on it myself because they said they're going to pray over it, and I said, God, I need wisdom about this job, and I had a peace on Monday, I went ahead and offered that job, and I, and I accepted that job offer, I walked through that door. But on Tuesday, I said, hold on, maybe I could have negotiated that salary. Wednesday, no, 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 this is God, this is God, wait, wait, wait. Thursday, come, hold on, what if another opportunity comes? And you find, the Bible says that is God speaking to you, saying you're double-minded because God's not in it. Not that you're not going to face fear. Fear is a part of life. Not, not that you're going to be intimidated by a risk, but here's what the Bible says. It says that you cast all your concerns about God because he cares for you. And here's God's response. He's going to give you a peace that surpasses natural understanding. And his peace is going to guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, as I've learned to make decisions in God, I'm just walking saying, do I have a peace about it? Okay, here we go. Do I still have a peace about it? Yes, I do. I'm moving until I lose my peace because he's going to guide me with his peace. The third way is this. I need godly counsel. In Proverbs 11:24 says this, where there is no counsel, people mess up their life. That's what I would write if I was writing the Bible, but I'm not. So it says people fall. Watch this. This is key. It says, but in the, what's that verse, BWI? Come on. In the, come on, Columbia. Come on, Baltimore. In the, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Let me back up. Don't just go with one thing. Don't find a word in the Bible and just run on it. Don't just have a peace. God told me and I, hold up. There's too many people running around with God told me and not God confirmed me. Come on now. A sober follower of God understands that I'm human and sometimes I can miss it. So I'm looking for God's peace, but I'm looking for godly counsel and the word. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. And I'm not just looking for one counselor. I'm looking for a multitude of godly people to help guide my life. Here's why. You can always find someone as dumb as you. Pastor, that's mean, but it's true. Listen, you can always find someone to co-sign your foolishness. 
So here, check this out, right? I found this piece of swampland out in Charles County, and they said all we got to do is drain all the water out of it. They're saying all the population of the world is moving to this area in the next 95,000 years, and this is... You can find someone foolish enough to say that, but here's what it says, a multitude of counsel, and you're looking for God. Can, can, I'm going to get in trouble, but I don't care. Don't ask people for advice that don't have doors open in their life. <laughs> Hear me. Don't receive counsel from someone that's not walking in the will of God themselves. What in your resume lets me think that I can trust your ability? To hear that I need godly counsel around me. And if I have confirmation in God's word, if I have peace, if I have godly, I can walk through that opportunity. Trusting, watch this, that if it wasn't God, he would have checked me in one of those areas. Last thing is this, write this down. I need to expect open doors. I need to take time to seek direction. But as I walk through that door, I need to pay attention to what is God doing? Can I tell you how to have fun with your Bible? Look for problems and allow the Holy Spirit to answer them. Don't just read your Bible. You confused as I don't know what. I don't make sense. I read my Bible. All right. No, 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 no. God, that doesn't make sense. And God, you never contradict yourself. So, so help me make sense. Hear me. If something in the Bible doesn't make sense, understand it's you. It's never him. <laughs> it's never that he wrote it wrong. It's just I'm reading it. I'm like, God, I'm confused. Why is it that when Balaam came to you the first time, you said, don't go? When he came to you the second time, you said, go, but only do what I tell you to do. And then when he went, you tried to kill him. This makes me not want to go when God says go. Hey, it's an open door, Stephen. No, I'm good. <laughs> As I was reading this, I was like, Holy Spirit, you got you to help me understand this. Here's what I feel like God said. As you read on this story, you'll find out Balaam got there. And as it got there, God gave him words to bless Israel, not to curse them. So when God said, don't go, he said, no, 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 you're not going to go curse Israel. When Balaam pushed the issue, it activated that verse where the Bible says, whatever the enemy meant for evil, God is going to turn it around for good. So if you had just left Israel alone, we wouldn't have done anything to Israel. But because you're so intent on cursing Israel, now I have to bless Israel because God says all things are going to work together. So it was actually Balak that activated the blessings of God. God said, Balaam, change your plan. Now it's time to go to bless them because the enemy's trying to curse them. So why did he try to kill them? This is just Stephen. You can disagree me if you want. I'm right. You're wrong. But anyway. Because I feel like when Balaam got the go-ahead, he stopped listening to God. Oh, I'm going through this door. I can't wait. And God said, stop him. Because he's walking through that door, but for his own purpose. Not to fulfill my purpose on the other side. I have a question for you. Why do you want to walk through the doors that God's opening for you? Let's just talk for a moment. Why do you want to be rich? Why do you want to be married? Why do you want all those children? Why do you want your business to explode? Is it, oh, I'm going to show them all them people that believe in me? Because if to show your haters is your motivation, 
you're not going to maximize the door that God has for you. If you walk through a door with the spirit of, I deserve this, after all I've been through. No, 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 no. It's not an open door because it's payment for our suffering. The only spirit we should walk through a door is God. How can I give you glory as I maximize this opportunity? How can I point people back to you? As I walk through this door, I'm not looking for what's a blessing to me, but I'm looking, hear me, God is always doing something in a situation. And if we don't know what God is doing, we can walk through a God door and still miss it. He said in Isaiah 30, 21, and if you leave God's path and go astray, you will hear his voice behind you saying, no, this is the way. Walk in. You thought God gave you that contract to expand your business, and he did, but his ulterior motive was because that business person needs Jesus. They need to see the hope and the freedom in your life. You thought God brought that spouse into your life because you, you waited for his best, and, and, and you sought him, and, 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 and it was for your joy and for your purpose, and it is. But he also brought the two of you together because there's a problem here on earth that you all were designed to be the solution to, that you are God's answer to the world's problem. And if you see your marriage just as how it can be a blessing to me, it's good. It's just not God. Because he's like, I've brought this to you for so much more than you could ever imagine. You think God gave you children just to give you the picture-perfect family. Just wait till they turn two. Your picture's ruined. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, wait till 22. You want to cut them out the picture. <laughs> Don't amen that. <laughs> I said, I ain't just give you children for Instagram posts. I gave them to you to mine out the gifts and talents and abilities I've placed inside of them and to release them into the purpose and destiny that I have for them. In everything that we have, we're looking around saying, God, what are you doing in it? He says, see, I am doing a new thing in Isaiah 43, 19. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams Anyways, here's what I've noticed about God doors. Because he does new things, if it's obvious to everybody, it's probably not God. If it's something that everybody's running after, if it's something that's already successful, chances are it's not God because God doesn't do the old thing twice. So I'm saying, God, what new thing are you looking to do in my life? How do I use this opportunity not just to prove to my haters, hey, I made it. But God, your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Now, can we pray? Father God, we are grateful. God, that you know us, you see us, and you have a plan and a purpose for our life. God, I'm not here happenstance just making it up as we go along. God, you have ordered our steps. God, we pray that you would give us the wisdom, God, to understand which doors you've opened and which door the enemy opened is not for us. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? This might be the most significant moment of this whole service. 
Some of you maybe never heard the voice of God before in your life, but in this moment, allow me to speak to you. Allow God to make this message personal to you. Some of you have underestimated yourself for years, and God says, no, you're gifted, and it's going to open doors. Some of you have walked through the wrong door, and God says, no worries, just take two steps back. I'm restoring God. Some of you, for you to be honest, your heart is locked up. You haven't let people in, and you haven't let God in. And you're wondering why other things in your life aren't lining up because it's not until you make your creator the reason why you exist that everything else will make sense to you. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and you went to church, you just never knew the God of the church. Maybe it's your first time in an atmosphere like this. Wherever you find yourself, if you'd be honest enough to say, I can't say that God is the center of my life. I can't say that I've ever truly surrendered to Jesus, but I want to. I am tired of doing this by myself. That's you. It's so simple. All you have to do is invite him in your life. You could do that by praying this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, in this moment, I open my heart. I open all that I am to you. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all of my sin can be erased. Thank you for rising again so that I can walk in your power. Today, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever.